Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello and welcome. This is episode 9 of Trash Talk with TK. Today we're going to talk about the Sixers as they enter the second half of the season and uh, probably their first playoff appearance in about five years. Easiest schedule remaining in the NBA. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about a tremendous Olympic event Wednesday night. Probably the first thing I've watched of the Olympics so far. I really haven't cared about much of it, but we'll discuss what was a great event for the United States on Wednesday night. And we'll also begin our multi-part breakdown of the Eagles offseason, looking at the team position by position and break down what they're going to do at certain spots on the roster. And we will start that on today's podcast, looking at the quarterback position and the running back position. Let's go. So we'll start with our Eagles offseason positional breakdown at quarterback. And obviously, this is the spot where everybody's going to have their eye on all offseason long. This is an incredibly unique situation that the Eagles find themselves in. A situation that I can't really remember having any sort of precedent when looking at the history of the NFL. When you have a quarterback, a young quarterback who you, who you a young quarterback who you are fully committed to building your team around for the next 10 to 15 years a guy who would have been the MVP of the league in Carson Wentz, suffers a season-ending injury and an injury that some believe could not necessarily be career-threatening, but could maybe hamper Wentz throughout his career. But at the same time, I'll tell you right now, the Eagles have no reservations about him being their guy going forward. They Their plan has not changed one bit with Carson Wentz. He is the quarterback, and he is the player that this team will build around for the next 10 to 15 years. And then behind him, you have a player, Nick Foles, who just played, you know, two of the best games I've ever seen. Let a, Forget Eagles quarterback. Without a doubt, the two best games back-to-back I've ever seen an Eagles quarterback play. But two of the best postseason performances you'll ever see from any NFL quarterback. After a subpar first half in Atlanta, Foles kind of gets it together in the second half of that game. Looks good, Eagles eke out a victory. Then the next two games, NFC Championship game, Super Bowl, Nick Foles, two of the best games you will ever see an NFL quarterback play. And... It's a position that I don't think you've ever seen a team in before where you have a player like Wentz who the fan base loves and the fan base is behind and everybody agrees for the most part, any logical fan agrees, that when he's healthy, he is the guy. And behind him you have Nick Foles who's beloved as well now. A guy who 
has earned a certain stature in the history of this franchise as the first quarterback, the only quarterback who was able to win a Super Bowl and to do it the way he did it, playing out of his mind, outdueling the greatest of all time in Tom Brady at the biggest level. It's an interesting situation that Howie Roseman, Joe Douglas, and the rest of the Eagles organization has to navigate here. And how they handle it is going to be very interesting to see how how things are going to are going to play out. And the unspoken guy behind all of it is Nate Sudfeld who does play a role in all of this even though People laugh at that. They like the guy, and he could play a role when looking at what you do with Nick Foles. And I'll give you my take on what the Eagles are going to do and what I would do in this situation. Me personally, I believe you'd be doing yourself a disservice to take any option off the table right now when looking at the quarterback situation. That doesn't mean I would shop Nick Foles. That doesn't mean I'd actively look to trade Nick Foles. But for people who say under no condition, would you trade Nick Foles because of Carson Wentz's health? I think that is limiting you in a major way. If somebody comes to Howie Rosen and makes him an offer that he, in a way, cannot refuse, you got to consider pulling the trigger on that. If somebody comes and says, you know, I'll give you a first and a third round pick. And that first round pick is in the top 15. How can you not at least weigh your options in that situation and consider making that deal? I'm not saying I definitely do it, but you got to at least consider it. And that's why if I'm Howie Rosen, what I would do is right now do nothing. Just sit back. You know, Send the vibe out to teams that you're in no hurry to make a deal. That you're perfectly content with bringing Nick Foles back, which if you did that, I would give him a one-year extension if he would be amenable to signing it. Then you have him under contract for the next two years. And when that contract expires is when Carson Wentz would be due up for his big-time contract extension, which the Eagles will need to give him. That is the first thing that I would do. Send that message out to teams. But at the same time, if a team comes calling and a team believes that if they acquire Nick Foles, he can run their offense and do some of the same things that he did in the postseason with the Eagles last year. And they're willing to give you valuable assets in order to bring him in. You have to consider it. You absolutely have to consider it. I don't know about if regardless of Wentz's situation, only if you're getting really negative reports about Carson Wentz's knee, would you not even listen in that spot? But I think the Eagles are pretty confident that Wentz will be back, if not for week one. I think they're confident that he'll be back closer to opening day then he will be November. You know, I think they're thinking late September, early October at the latest. I mean, Carson, all all the reports have come back 
that he's doing well in his recovery. You know, you'll hear some surgeons come out and say they think it's a 10 to 12-month injury, and, and I think everybody's different in that situation. Obviously, obviously, Carson Wentz's injury will play a factor in this. But if you're confident he's going to come back, and you're confident he's going to come back better than ever, you got to consider trading Nick Foles if the right offer comes across your desk. Now, what I think the Eagles are going to do, I would say at this point, just the feeling I get without any inside information or anything like that, I get the sense they would really like to keep Nick Foles. And that I get that sense even though I do feel like they are confident that Carson Wentz will be back. I do think they like the idea of that security. And that's probably, you know, that's not a bad solution. That's the bottom line. There's no bad solution, I don't think, here for the Eagles. Because you're only going to trade them if you're getting a bounty in return. And if you keep them, hey, you got an MVP-level quarterback in Carson Wentz not having to rush back, taking his time in the rehab process, and a guy that you know is capable of playing well enough in your offense to you know, win in the postseason and win big games in Nick Foles on the field until Wentz gets back. So I think that's the way they're leaning. I just think that they like the idea of having that security of a guy like Nick Foles in their back pocket. But we know Howie Roseman, and we know Howie Roseman will not take any any opportunity and flush it down the toilet. If he sees an opportunity to make this team better for the next 10 years, he's going to take it. And if that means trading Nick Foles, I think he's going to at least consider it. And as I said, Nate Sudfeld is a guy who we laugh at in a lot of ways when his name's mentioned now. But I think they like him. I think the original plan when they picked up Sudfeld um, at the start of the season was to develop him for a couple years and ultimately elevate him to the backup quarterback when Nick Foles' contract expired. Things have obviously changed now with what Nick Foles has accomplished. But their confidence in Sudfeld is going to play a factor in this too. I mean, if they think they can make Nate Sudfeld Nick Foles long-term... That's another reason why they might be a little more comfortable capitalizing on Nick Foles' trade value right now. So it'll be interesting. The way I'd lean in that regard is I'd probably keep Nick Foles. I'd like to keep Nick Foles. It would be nice to have that extra security. But if an offer, I can't refuse... If I'm Howie Roseman, came across my desk, you got to consider making that deal. But I'd say in all likelihood, at this point, I'll say 70% chance all three quarterbacks are back next season. Just the feeling I get, I'd say 70% is about the chance all these quarterbacks are back. I'd say about a 25 to 30% chance that Nick Foles is playing quarterback somewhere else next year. Now let's tackle the running back position. Another interesting position on this on this roster where the Eagles are going to need to make some 
decisions. I think there are two guys you look at, and they're they're certainly back on this team. And that's Jay Ajayi, and that's Corey Clement. Ajayi, a great midseason pickup. He will be your feature back. Did a did a nice job, kind of in limited carries, as we expected. His workload kind of increased in the postseason as the feature back. I'd expect that to be more the case next year. Possible that you could extend him. He's only got one year left on his deal. I wouldn't really expect that. I think the Eagles have a lot of other things they got to worry out about first before the running back situation. So I think they pretty much will probably let Ajayi play out the last year of his deal. Which would make sense to me, and I'd be fine with. See how it goes. See how those knees hold up. And go from there. So Ajayi will definitely be back as the number one next year. And the other guy that's certainly back is Corey Clement. Undrafted free agent who, those guys, it's funny. Because every year it seems at Eagles training camp, there's a guy who becomes a a training camp hero. And everybody's clamoring them for, to make the team, whether it's Paul Turner or Henry Josie or, you know, I don't know. There's a long list of guys in the past who have been standouts in training camp. R- Rashid Bailey. You know, a long list of guys who we always think are, are going to make the team and be difference makers. And what happens every time they get cut? Every time they get cut. And in large part, you don't really hear from them again anywhere else. Corey Clement was that guy last year. And the Eagles, to their credit, saw that it was not a mirage. It was for real. He made the team, and he exceeded anybody's expectations. A really good pass-catching third down back, great in pass protection for a rookie to be that good in pass protection, that's the most underrated part of Corey Clement's game. Really useful player. And then we know what he did in the playoffs. Big plays in all three playoff games, and especially what a game he had in the Super Bowl. I mean, Corey Clement, a Super Bowl hero. That touchdown catch, the big play, catch him run before half that set up the Philly special. You know, Corey Clement... It far exceeded anybody's expectations. He's absolutely back and will probably be an eagle for a long time. So they're the two spots that are that are pretty clear. Then the rest of it is all is pretty muddled. You got LeGarrette Blunt, who played here on a on a low money one year deal last year. I don't think he's coming back. I, I think the Eagles have a lot of other holes to fill. I'd love to have LeGarrette Blunt back. He's a very useful player, very good power runner who supplements his his talents complement those other guys very well. I just don't see how they can bring him back. I think somebody will be willing to give him a little more money than he made last year. I don't think the Eagles are in position to do that. The other veteran who could be coming back, Darren Sproles, injured in week three after it's got to be the most painful injury, one of the most painful injuries ever. You break your forearm and tear your ACL in the same play. He says he wants to come back and play another year. I don't know if that's going to be here or somewhere else. You know, if the Eagles bring Sproles back, it's probably going to have to be on like a veteran minimum deal. And if he's playing another season, he might want to make a little bit of money before he's done. Somebody will probably give him a little more than that coming off injury. You know, if he comes back healthy, Darren Sproles can help a team. So I would 
it would be nice to see at least one of those guys back between Sproles and Blunt. But honestly, when I look at it, I don't see it happening. I don't see either of them coming back. I see the Eagles maybe going a little younger at that position. Whether that's a guy like Wendell Smallwood, who's kind of cast off during the year, I would lean that's probably not the direction they're going to go. I think this year showed the Eagles pretty set, much soured on Smallwood. And I think Smallwood, he might come back to camp. But I, I think it would be a major uphill battle for him to make the team with where the team kind of views him right now. Then you got Donnell Prumfrey, who was out all year, who looked awful in training camp, awful in the preseason. A guy that they thought might fill that Legar- that um, that Darren Sproles role once Sproles was gone. But... Who knows? I mean, he missed the whole year with a phantom hamstring injury after looking horrible in the preseason and training camp. I think Pumphrey will certainly be back at camp, and but he'll have to earn it. You know, if he doesn't play well in training camp, I think they'll cut him loose. I also expect the Eagles to draft a running back, a younger guy, maybe in the middle rounds, to kind of develop. Because long term, the only running back on your roster who I think you know is going to be here is Clement. And... While Corey Clement had a great season in his rookie year, it remains to be seen. I don't know if Corey Clement can be a feature back. I kind of like him in the role he's in, which is a third down guy, a pass catcher, situational player. I think that's where he's at his best. So when you look at the running back position, that's where I see it right now. Ajayi Clement definitely returning. Blunt and Sproles, I'd say, you know, each is probably below 50% to return. Pumphrey is probably slightly above 50%. He will certainly be at camp. And then Wendell Smallwood, I'd be very surprised if he's on this roster next season. So when you look at the running back spot, you got only two guys, in my opinion, who are back. That's Jay Ajayi and Corey Clement for certain, and the rest of it is pretty muddled right now. Next time, we'll take a look at some of the other positions on the offensive side, wide receiver and tight end on the next episode of Trash Talk with TK. Now, dive into the Sixers as they start the second half of the season. Now talk a little Sixers as they get started second half of the season. Later tonight, uh, this is Thursday, they're playing at the Chicago Bulls in the Windy City as the Sixers get started. 27 games left, currently 30-25, and 25, 7 in the conference, and I'm pretty pumped, man. This is going to be fun as they head down the stretch here. Sixers, I think, far better than anybody expected. You know, that first part of the schedule, first 55 games, really the first two-thirds of the season, they had a brutal schedule. Brutal schedule. I thought if they came out of that, even a couple games under 500, that would have been uh, pretty pretty, pretty damn good. But the fact that they come out five games over, and now have the easiest schedule remaining in the league, it, they're absolutely going to win 45 games. Which at the beginning of the season, 45 seemed incredibly optimistic. They're definitely winning 45. They should win about 47 to 48 games. 
48 wins, 48 and 34 is not an impossible uh, goal for them to achieve. And could you imagine if this team ends up winning 50 games? Could you imagine if they play 20 and 7 down the stretch, which is not impossible? I looked at the schedule, I knew it was easy. My God, I didn't know it was anywhere close to, to this soft. I'm telling you, every other night, it seems like they're playing either Brooklyn, Char- or Br- Brooklyn, Charlotte, Atlanta, Orlando. I mean, they are playing some dog teams. Chicago, they are playing some really bad teams the rest of the year. And they're done, they're done with Houston. They're done with Golden State. They're done with Boston. I think they got one left against Cleveland. I think they got one left against Toronto. But they are not playing the powerhouses as they go down the stretch. And it's going to be exciting. It's going to be really exciting to see this team. And I'll tell you what, once they get into the postseason, I could legitimately see the Sixers reaching the Eastern Conference Finals. A a playoff series win, I would say now, is maybe more likely than not. Because with this easy schedule, they can get up to the 4 or 5 seed. And if you get up to the 4 or 5 seed, you can avoid playing Cleveland, Toronto, Boston in the first round. You could get Washington or Milwaukee or Indiana. Sixers can beat any of those teams in a 7-game series. Part of me would like to see the Sixers get Boston. Because I think the Sixers would beat Boston. I don't think in a 7-game series, Boston could score with the Sixers. They got Kyrie, but they don't really have anything else as far as scoring. Consistent scoring. And you look at a guy like Joel Embiid, who Joel Embiid is a stud, man. I mean, he is already one of the stars in this league. You watch that All-Star game on Sunday night. At the end of the game, they were concerned with one man. Joel Embiid's on the floor with Giannis Antetokounmpo, DeMar DeRozan, James Harden, and Steph Curry. And what does the opposition do? They're doubling Joel Embiid with LeBron James and Kevin Durant. If that doesn't show you the respect that they have for this guy, that the players around the league have for this guy, and how dominant he can be, I can't wait to see him in the postseason. And this team, they are complete with Ben Simmons, Sarich, Covington. They can score if they're hitting their shots, which is key. J.J. Redick needs to hit. Covington needs to hit. They can't play dumb. They can't turn the ball over too much, which has been their Achilles heel throughout a lot of this season. They still leave a lot to be desired on the bench, but as much as I hate Brian Colangelo, you got to give him credit. I mean, he went out to get a guy like Bellinelli. Bellinelli in his first game last week really helped. I think he'll help down the stretch. He won't be like that every night, but a good shooter, good scorer off the bench, which is what this team lacked and then you got T.J. McConnell, who's really become the leader of that bench unit. Uh, T.J. McConnell, I kind of compare him. We talked earlier in the podcast about Corey Clement. He's kind of like Corey Clement. Kind of a guy who, you know, you didn't expect anything of. Made the team, nice story, but has come in and is really a key contributor. T.J. McConnell is so much better than anybody thought he'd be. I mean, he is such a useful player off the bench, and I could see him being great in a playoff series. That's why I, I, it would be fun to see the Sixers play Milwaukee. You would have the grittiest matchup ever in TJ McConnell versus Matthew Delvadova. I would love to see those two guys go at it for a seven-game series. 
That would be the most hilarious matchup of just gritty NBA players ever. That would be great. But I'm telling you, this team is legitimately good. I mean, the offseason, we'll talk about this in later podcasts, but they will have a chance to sign big-time free agents, including LeBron James. LeBron James will consider coming to Philadelphia this offseason. I have no doubts. Where else is he going to go? You look around, he's not staying in Cleveland. It's either Houston, Philly, or L.A. And L.A., I don't think the Lakers or the Clippers have the pieces to build around him in one year because for every year LeBron plays the rest of the the rest of his career, it's going to be about winning championships. The Sixers and Houston could at least sell him on a legitimate chance to win a title. And obviously, in that pursuit, that's why this offseason could be really big when pursuing him, when pursuing Paul George. If you can show them, hey, in our first year back in the playoffs, we already went to the Eastern Conference Finals. That would be an amazing accomplishment to put on your resume. Now, the NBA Finals, I think, is a little optimistic just because I think eventually the Sixers would have to come up against LeBron in Cleveland. And I don't think they can necessarily win that matchup. I just think LeBron is an overwhelming force. And I think it might be a little early, uh, too tall of a task for such a young team. But who knows? They can beat anybody else. Toronto's good, but the Sixers could beat Toronto. And they could beat Cleveland too. I just don't think it's likely. But I can't wait for this second half to get started. 27 games left. My prediction, I think the Sixers are going to end up at 48 wins. I think they'll end up 48 and 32. Or 48 and 34, excuse me. That would make them 18 and 9 down the stretch. I think that's how it's going to go. I think they're that good. The schedule's that easy. Can't wait to get it started. And now we'll talk about uh, not I haven't cared at all really about the Olympics, but there was a tremendous event last night that I was up late watching. And now we'll discuss that a little bit. So last night, it's like 11 o'clock. I flip on NBC, see what's going on in the Olympics. I haven't really cared, but I check in from time to time. I decided to check in, and they're signing off the air, but they're saying, well, in 10 minutes, the gold medal game is starting between the U.S. women and the the Canadian women. Gold medal hockey game. So I decided, all right, I'll, you know, I usually stay up late. Not extremely late, but, you know, like 12.30, 1 o'clock, that kind of thing. So I'm like, oh, I'll flip it on, um, watch a couple minutes, see 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 how it is, and then probably watch a show or something. But I turn it on. I watched the first couple minutes. I didn't turn it off. This game went to overtime, a full 20-minute overtime, went to a shootout. I ended up being up till 2.30 watching this women's gold medal game. It was tremendous. I mean, what the athleticism, the... The play was just great. I mean, physical on both sides. If there's one th- thing that they got to change is in the women's game right now, they don't allow... They they allow contact, but not like full-on hitting. I think that's something that needs to change. Because they're aggressive anyway. They go after it anyway. And I'll tell you what, they are... It was It was just an incredible game. It was an incredible game where the U.S. took the lead early, and these teams are huge rivals. Either one of them wins the gold medal all the time. 
Canada had won the gold medal in the Olympics for like the last 20 years, but the U.S. holds their own. They've won golds and world championships and stuff like that. And U.S. took a lead early. Canada came back with two goals early on in the second period to take the lead. Then the U.S. ties it up late in the third. Scoreless overtime and then the shootout. And the U.S. wins in a shootout. And I got to say, these... Two sisters I never heard of before, Jocelyn and Monique Lamoureux on the U.S. team, they are tremendous. They play on the same line. They are absolutely tremendous. The one, Monique scored the goal to tie it up at two, and then Jocelyn had the sickest shootout goal you will ever see. I don't care, men, women, I don't care any level of hockey. You watch this goal, this is the sickest move you will ever see. And it was just, it was the best thing of the Olympics so far, without a doubt. Great event. And the women's hockey is way better than the men's hockey now. Because with the women's game, you're seeing the best in the world. These are the best in the world. The men's game, you're just not. You know, the fact that Gary Bettman is a clown and won't allow NBA players or NHL players to you know, play in the Olympics is just horrible. It takes away from it. And they got to fix that. But the women's game was just tremendous. And it was an event of the Olympics so far. If you missed it, I get it. It was a, it was a, a late event. But if you missed it, you missed just a tremendous hockey game. Tremendous hockey game. One of the best games you'll ever see at any level in any sport. It was just great. And that'll do it for Episode 9, Trash Talk with TK. Be back with you next week for Episode 10. We'll continue with our Eagles positional roster breakdown with wide receiver, tight end. Maybe we'll do a little offensive line. Uh, Not sure yet. Want to position it so we will uh, have all the positions done by free agency. So we'll figure that out next week. Also, have a ton of other fun stuff for you. Thanks a lot for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.